What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. It is Tuesday the 5th. How you doing? How you living? What's your story? You guys have a nice weekend of bets? You do well yesterday? Hopefully that's the case. So anyway, on today's show, it is Concept Tuesday. And uh, usually we just go over conceptual things with sports betting. No shortage of topics there. Uh, Today's going to be a little bit different, though. Today we will... Uh, just have some fun. I was going through Twitter. Twitter! Twitter! I was going through Twitter the other day. Well, actually last night. And I'm just noticing a couple things that are interesting. So what the majority of today's show is going to be is searching this com- and looking in the comments section. <laughs> We're going to go see what all you geniuses out there on Twitter say is important about sports betting. Because if there's one thing we know in the world, it's that if you want the best and brightest, go directly to a comment section. So... Uh, we are getting this show started without a producer, and Ryan, the producer, should be here in the next 20 minutes or so, but I'm in the producer seat right now, so I'm going to move on over to my chair. We just had to get the intro going and everything, so hang on. Hang on. We're moving. Hang on. Hang on. All right. Here we are. How's that sound? All right. Dead air. I know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You got to squeeze in here. Ugh. Well, the holidays really add a couple on, huh? It's time to time to shed some of that off in January. Oh, God. I feel like I'm just the sl- the slinking in back here. You got to you gotta work to get to the microphone. Anyway, this is my seat. This is where I feel good. It's like home court advantage over here. Uh, before we get going, special thanks to Woos Media. This is, of course, a Woos Media podcast, but if, uh, uh, if you didn't know, Woos Media does a lot more besides simply podcasting. Have you ever searched for something online and whatever you search for kind of followed you around for a few weeks? Well, that's what Woos Media does. It's very effective for any business owner. So if you own a business, know anyone who owns a business, or simply want to make the most of any online marketing or advertising, contact Woos Media online, W-O-O-Z-E, media.com. A little coffee here, a little coffee. Oh yeah, that's the good stuff. Some of that uh, Starbucks holiday blend, and the holidays are over, so you got to drink all the... You got to get rid of it, right? What else are you going to do? All right, so um, I was on Twitter last night, searching the Twitter. The Twitter! (laughs) And Twitter. Good old Twitter. Um, I'm noticing... So first off, I just want to get this out of the way, because I am noticing one interesting kind of little trend on Twitter that suddenly, the last couple months... All these insanely hot women have signed up to, or signed up, have, have started working at, you know, sports books or things like that. And it's not that they're women or gorgeous women at that. I'm sure there's a lot of gorgeous women sports bettors out there. It's that I started, you know, checking out what they were saying on, on Twitter and on social media. And a lot of the information they're giving out is just wrong. I mean, first of all, I've got to get this out of the way. Bookies are the scum of the earth. Bookies are terrible. And I'm not just being hyperbolic when I say that. I've worked in this industry now for a long time, and I get to see the good and the bad about the industry and the, and the market and the bookies, things like that. There really are not too many bookies in this entire industry who are who do things the right way, in my opinion. You know, I mean, bookies make their own rules. They change lines and prices 
at the at, at, at any expense to the customer and at little expense to them. You know, they'll charge minus one fee, one fifteen, minus one twenty if they want to. Especially multi-way markets sometimes go on a a popular sports book. Look look at the hold, the household for any multi-way market and see what they're trying to get away with. You know, they again make their own rules. They pretty much dictate everything. There are there are no standards in sports betting and. At the end of the day, the moment you start winning, the moment they sniff that you know what you're doing, they won't let you bet there anymore. I mean, I've been banned from a sports book. My limits have been lowered. Trust me, guys. It's all smiles and, oh, it's all nice until the second they start thinking you can win and they don't want anything to do with you. And all, really on top of that, most great sports uh, uh, bettors they don't want to be bookies. Bookies are only failed sports bettors. I promise you, if bookies could do what sports bettors do... They would make a much better living and probably have a better life too. And I'm not judging anyone's uh, approach to life. If you like being a bookmaker, great. But I just look like guys that uh, uh, Chris Andrews. You know, Chris Andrews is one of the best bookmakers in the world. You know, this guy's been around the industry for a long time. He grew up in Vegas under some of the most influential names in Las Vegas. He currently works at the South Point, one of the sharper books. But Chris Andrews, I couldn't win long-term sports betting and he's probably one of the sharpest public bookmakers out there he's got a great book called what's that book called uh, i think it's called then one day you should read it i mean it's important if we're going to win sports betting we've got to know how the other side of the counter works right so i always say that bookies are bad we hate the books and a lot of people think i'm just trying to be one of those typical hyperbolic uh, uh pick sellers but hey, we're gonna fuck the books up tonight with 22 and 2 our last 24 sign up now we'll get the year for free like that's what people think that we're doing when we rip on books but the reason i rip on sports books is they deserve it these people are shitty people how the fuck i when i'm whenever i'm done dealing with a sports book i always have the same idea i'm like how the fuck does that guy sleep at night? Like they are just the modern day mafia. They they make up their own rules. They'll they, they'll rip you off. They'll they'll take all your money. But the moment you start winning, they want nothing to do with you. Last month, December twenty twenty, the most profitable month in Nevada bookmaking, New Jersey bookmaking, and these are guys who have been around for a long time, right? It's not like sports betting is new in Nevada and New Jersey. But everyone's getting involved. A lot of people are getting into the market who, frankly, don't know much about what they're doing. And so it's where those two things intersect. It's the fact that now these sports book have the sports books are hiring these these women to go and just attract guys over, right? They're just trying to get as many people to sign up to go to the sports book to go to the website as they can. And I when I get Nicole Weston, who I'm sure she's a great person. This has nothing to do with get with her or against her. I've never met her before. I'm sure she's smart, capable, knows a little bit about sports betting. But to think that someone who works for a sports book man, woman, attractive or not, if they're giving you picks, don't you see some kind of gap in the logic there? Like, sports betting is a zero-sum proposition. For those who don't know, a zero-sum proposition means this. One of two people are going to win. Either the house or the market or the sports book gets your money or you get theirs. There is no in-between. If they win enough, they will take your money. If you win enough, you will take all of their money. And if a sports book gets enough losing bets, they will go out of business. I've seen it happen. Now, it likely won't happen with DraftKings, FanDuel, BetMGM, things like that, because they have backings of millions, if not billions of dollars, and they keep their limits low. They protect themselves, right? 
But the idea that someone working for the sports books is giving out winners, that is laughable. It's crazy. It's hysterical. And and Nicole Weston, you're not the only one. There's Aaron Kate Dolan at Aaron Kate Dolan. She works for FanDuel. There's Megan making money, <laughs> right? Uh, she also works for FanDuel. It's like my audience, I want you guys to come here every day and get the truth. And I'm not here to placate to anybody. Right, I can just hear a small portion of the audience. You sexist asshole! You are just no. I'm not just anything. I'm trying to approach this as delicately as I can, and I'm trying to be fair and honest. But I think that there's not enough fairness and honesty going out there today in sports betting. And I think there's too much of this dressing up what seems to be fun around the water cooler talk. Hey, let's all pitch in and give our best bets of the day. It's like. If you guys want to do that, and that's that's fine, right? If you have fun doing it, that's fine because everyone bets for different reasons. But if you want to bet and make money long term, and you really want to profit at this, maybe we can all learn something from this, right? Maybe we can all take away from today's show some lessons. Maybe we can learn a little bit. And I'm not here to shit on these people. I'm just here to help my audience bet smarter. That's my only goal. I don't know any of these people. I'm not trying to discredit them or FanDuel or any of these sports books who've hired them, right? Hell, I think it's probably smart of FanDuel to do so, but I just want everyone who listens to this podcast to be a smarter consumer when it comes to sports betting. So that's my first thing is just be careful. That's going on everywhere now on Twitter. But my other thing is looking at Nicole, what she posts, she seems to get a decent amount of responses on her tweets, things like that. And she tweeted yesterday, let's pull it up here. If you could give someone a single piece of advice about sports betting, whether it be for a beginner or someone more seasoned, what would it be? And so I started looking at some of the comments because again, there's not a better place on on, on earth or not a better place in America than the comment section. Always a loving, rosy, glowing place to be. So I started scrolling down and seeing what some of these amazing Twitter experts, because if you guys ever spent five minutes on Twitter, everyone seemingly who has a Twitter handle is a pro better. But uh, I wanted to go through and, hey, let's look at some comments. We'll make fun of some, but then we'll also credit some. I'm not just here to, again, just bring everything down. If we come across some good pieces of information, we'll talk about it and we'll expand on it. And so... Again, we'll talk about, I don't know, five, ten comments. We'll wait until Ryan gets here, and we'll wrap the show up. But um, I just thought this could be a fun fun little thing to do. Go through the comment section, see who's an idiot, see who knows what they're talking about. And uh, again, it could be a learning lesson for all you guys listening as well. Guys and gals, want to be careful on this show today. For all you ladies and gentlemen listening out there today, uh, maybe we can learn a little something too, so... A little sip of coffee here. Oh, yeah. That's the coffee I'm talking about. A little Starbucks uh, uh, holiday blend. This little blend there. And I like my coffee black, too. So, all right. So, let's just go. Uh, let's look at some of the comments and let you guys know if it's correct or incorrect. If these people know what they're talking about or or not. Because, again... I mean, guys, I could do a comedy show about people who say things on Twitter who dress everything up like they know what they're talking about, and it's just wrong information. So let's just go down. No particular order here. Uh, comment one. 
and I'm not going to read their uh, Twitter handle. I'll just say their name. Matt S. said, Bankroll management. Above all else, with no money, you have no business and no bets. This is a tremendous piece of information. You know, managing your bankroll is as important as making the correct picks. I would say it's probably 50-50. The first step in the process is to do all of your work, uh, make sure you have a good starting point, a nice handicapping process, and make sure you can come up with a good, efficient closing line, like, like a finishing line for your work, right? Well, that's only half of the process. Once you've done all of that and figured out who you want to bet on, the next step is, okay, well, now how much do I bet? And I'll bet you've heard this before. I make my plays in one to three unit bets, right? Or all of my bets are one to five units and units equal 50 bucks. <laughs> Things like that. Well, the moment I ever read that on someone's Twitter profile, I know immediately know they don't know what they're talking about because anyone who I've ever met who's done this long term and really made money, they've never pigeonholed themselves into having to make a three unit bet their max. Why would you ever say my bets are between one and three units? What if what if math dictates you make a, a bet for a half a unit? Up, oh, nope, Tyler. Up, oh, up. Oh, my minimum is one unit. That's my rule. What if the math tells you that you should make a four unit bet? Now, Tyler, you don't get it. My rule is one to three units. I follow that strictly. It's like, huh? Like people just making shit up now. I mean, there are so many people, and there are a lot of times they're just younger guys, right? Younger people who have fun with this, maybe win a couple bets, and all of a sudden they're wanting to sell picks. It's like, what? What's going on here? So, bankroll management is crucially important. The first step is who do you bet on? The second step is how much do I bet on that team? And I, there's nothing wrong with betting in units, but you just can't pigeonhole yourself and say. You know, I bet between one and three units. And also, little, we'll hit the mic here, a little, little wake up this thing on for all my Twitter people out there. Hey, I'm talking to you Twitter touts. I know we got some of you guys who listen. Don't define anybody else's unit size. Okay? Unit size should be roughly 1% to 5% of bankroll depending on how much risk you want to take on every time you bet. But if you're starting the game, you're starting the sports bet and you've got $100 in your account, your unit should be probably five bucks. If you're starting this and you've got $100,000 in, in your account, your unit should maybe be closer to $5,000. So to go on Twitter and say, hey, everyone, if you follow me, units equal 50 bucks. Again, clear, clear sign. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. All right. So again, the first comment, bankroll management. I like that one. I am a fan. Matt asks, congratulations. If I if I had a producer, I'd have him do the applause sound effect, but I don't yet. So anyway, next comment. Don't dwell on losses. Move on immediately. This is from Lombardi Capital Sports Investment Fund. Oh, great. One of these guys. Uh, I typically don't love the Twitter touts. I typically don't think they do a very good job. Uh, this is a great piece of advice, though. Uh, don't dwell on losses. You know, one of the hardest parts about being a successful sports better is learning to lose. You know, that, that was honestly the part that may have taken me the longest because I was years into this. I'd done this for a long time. And after you do this for a long time, actually, not even that long, even a couple months, you start to realize, oh shit, I can't make my mortgage if I keep betting these bad games or these parlays or teasers or whatever, you know? Once you start running out of money and you don't have any other income, you realize quickly what bad bets can do. But something that's, that was really tough for me was after you lose a game, especially a game where you should have won, right? It's some bad beat or something like that. It's easy to chase. 
You know, if it's Friday, you have one game in the evening and it ends at seven o'clock and you lose on a, on a last second shot or whatever, it's very tempting to say, fuck it. I want to get back in. What else is going on tonight? And to make that next bet, essentially chasing those losses. So another way to say this is don't dwell on losses. Don't chase losses. Move on immediately. Uh, great piece of information. We're two for two so far. You know, maybe we're going to get a better result than I thought. All these yahoos on Twitter aren't that idiotic anyway. All right. Um, this next one, this is from Mikey Sports VIP. Take a day off. Observe what you would have bet and see what happens. Get in rhythm. Uh, I actually hate this. I don't like this at all because it. anyone who says, oh, just mark down your bets and see how you would have done over the, over the course of the long run. Well, there's two problems with that. First of all, how much are you betting each game? Now, if you're a stagnant better, you're not going to deviate. It's pretty linear. You're always going to bet a unit. Fine, but that is an issue because betting the same amount each game should never be the case. You should always bet based on confidence and that should be dictated by math. But the other thing is, if things aren't going correctly, one day is not going to be enough to take off. You may need to take a month off because as a sports better, it's all about the process. I can go... 2 and 20 over 22 games and I'm not going to panic because I know that's simply going to happen. You know, it's funny, I was listening to another podcast uh someone who contacted uh, the show, we may have him on, may not have him on, but uh it's a couple guys, I think they're on the East Coast, I'm not exactly sure. But one of the guys was really down on himself for going 6 and 10 over 16 games. And I was listening going, "Oh, dude, if you're going to get down on yourself for going 6 and 10 over 16 games, this is going to be a long Long, uh, it's going to be a long time in this industry for you. You know, I mean, you've got to get used to losing. But first of all, if you're only going to go 16 games, get upset about winning six, you're going to have, let me just say this. If you're betting professionally, you're going to have a lot of six and 10 runs, right? You're going to have a lot of 10 and six runs as well. Hopefully more 10 and six and six and 10. But guys, that's just part of it. I mean, you know what the edge that we're working with as sports bettors is, I don't know, one to 3%. I mean, it's, it's actually pretty similar to the edge a lot of people have in Las Vegas. You know, when you go sit down at a, a craps table, the house edge is only around, what, one and a half percent or so, right? You sit down at a blackjack table, it's even less. You sit down at a blackjack table tomorrow in Las Vegas, the house is operating, if you play correctly, with like a half of a percent edge, okay? Do you think that if, that if Las Vegas, you're at the MGM, you're, you're at a table, do you think if one table at the MGM, blackjack, lost... 50 grand in one night, they would close the table down. They would stop allowing bets. They would take a day off and reevaluate with it. No, because they know the process. They understand that every bet that's made, whether it's from someone who's a professional blackjack player or not, they always have the edge, right? That's the same thing with betting sports. When we always know we're operating with some sort of an edge, if I have a, a run where I go six and 10, or like I said, two and 20, Unless I think there's something wrong with the process, the way I'm approaching it, I'm never just going to stop, stop betting, take a step back. Let's take a deep breath here and figure out what's going to... No, keep going, keep working, keep betting because over the long run, you will win. Now, again, this is much easier said than done. To actually create an edge that you can repeat every single bet, that's that's exactly why I decided to go back to, to college at age 31, learn a skill that I had no fucking idea what I was doing before I even started. I mean... I came to a point last year in my sports betting where I'm like, look, I've got to start fighting complex math with complex math. 
You know, so I enrolled at University of Denver and I'm now taking data science classes. I'm set to finish up in March. But the reason wasn't because I loved school or wanted to go back or really anything like that. I was forced into it, essentially. I came to the conclusion that if I didn't do this, I couldn't keep winning. I had to take that next step in math and, and really get to that level. And so, again, the whole idea of take a day off, observe what's happening, get in rhythm. No, I completely think that's wrong. If you're, if you're, if you feel like a day off is suddenly going to turn your sports betting around, I don't agree with that process at all. Either take more than a day off, redo your system and make sure you're doing the right things or don't take a day off. Keep betting because you don't need a day off if you really know what you're doing. Hey, Ryan, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. How are you? Yeah, producer's here. You want to throw that uh, wind mic on? I got a little... uh, We got to be careful because of COVID. You never know. Oh, yeah, that's right. God, you're just rocking the glasses these days? You're looking all classy over there? What's going on, Ryan? Well, yeah, Tyler, I decided to grow up and actually be able to see (laughs) at night when I drive and stop stop, uh, putting other people's lives at risk. When I first got my glasses, I will never forget. I'm leaving the, the... I place, whatever. And I, I could see the leaves, individual leaves on trees. I was like, this is awesome. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I I was, I was sitting at home uh, yesterday with my fiance and, uh, we were watching some documentary that, uh, had to do, you know, obviously it was, it wasn't all in English and obviously I just turned to her and I was like, I can actually read subtitles now. <laughs> it was so weird. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, I didn't mean I realized there were leaves on trees. I just realized I could see them. Actually, <laughs> so a little clarification there. Yeah, you finally noticed the mountains. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> Rocky Mountains would be a little rockier than this. <laughs> John Denver's full of shit. Um, so just to catch you up real quick, uh, jump in if you want. And I think what's cool about having Ryan here every now and then is Ryan's not a pro better. Ryan is about as, as average Joe as they come when it comes to betting sports. I mean, Ryan... The exact opposite. Exactly. Right? You know, Ryan just got into it. He likes it. it, it it's it's kind of, you know, but uh, Ryan, I think it's actually good to have you because you or people in that situation, those are a lot of the people who are listening to this show. And the reason why I kind of rebranded, did a bit of a, a, bit, of a, a bit of a different thing last year was there are so many new people. There are tens of thousands of new people in the United States who want to enter the world of sports betting, but don't know much about it. And so what people will inevitably do, like I'm sure you may have done, is go online, try and find people who know what they're talking about, right? Try and find a podcast or a blog or whatever to help make some money. And I've just noticed that there's a lot of people on Twitter posting advice who are working for sports books, first of all. So it's like, wait, they work for the sports book, but they're giving picks out. You don't see anything wrong with that. And I, there's just a lot of bad information. So what we're doing is, is uh, uh, going through a, uh, someone tweeted, uh, if you could give someone a single piece of advice about sports betting, whether it be for a beginner or a seasoned pro, what would it be? And so we're going through some comments, reading the comments, and I'm just kind of responding to some, letting people know whether these comments are right, which comments I think uh, are, are correct, or which ones are wrong. Yeah, and... and um just, just to, uh, for, for, from my perspective um, alone, is something that I learned from you just this year, um, listening to you know this podcast and and just you and I talking on the phone is, is is being able to cut ties on teams or players or whatever you're betting on based on personal interest. Yeah, you know you always say bet bet on you, you don't 
you don't bet from the heart. You know, you bet with your brain. You know, you, you don't you don't bet on teams that you like that you have some some sort of ties to. Exactly, and, and that's, that's I always, something I've learned the hard way, by the way. Yeah, but but look, like I always tell the audience on here, and the show's grown. We I really appreciate it. You know, give us a follow on Twitter at Sharp Angle Pod. But I always tell people on here that it's really about why you're betting. You know, you have to figure out what your purpose is because look. If you're a Packers fan and you like to put 20 bucks a week on the Packers, I'm not going to stop anybody from doing that. If you like to have some fun, that's fine. But my job here is to give people an insight of how to really make money. So if anyone does want to take their game up a step or maybe start making a few more dollars or just stop making those bad bets, that's where I kind of want to help people out. And so, yeah, and and with anything you do in life, always do your due diligence. You know, if you're, if like you said, if you're going to throw a couple bucks down, you know, here and there on your favorite team, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're looking to make money, you know, do your research. All right. So next comment here, let's keep on rolling. Let's uh, plow ahead. Uh, This is George uh, Panagakis. I'm not sure. I've actually followed this guy for a while and it seems like he does know what he's talking about. His Twitter handles at GRP wins. And it's funny because he he seems like a, a dude who's been doing this for a while, you know, at least a couple decades, lives in Vegas. And I saw this one guy get so frustrated with the Twitter world, uh, like I did at first. You know, I've chilled out a little bit now and, and, and accepted that there's just going to be a lot of people on Twitter who act like they know what they're talking about and have no fucking clue what, they, what they're really talking about. And this guy, he's like, wait a minute, wait, they're lying, they're lying about their records? Like, yeah, George, you think? Like, that's what's happening on Twitter. But I think this guy does know what he's talking about. And his his comment is, specialize in one sport. And I actually think this is a great piece of advice for beginners who really want to take it seriously and start specializing in, in, in making money or, or professionally making money. When I started this, right? When I started, uh, when I quit all of my other jobs and said, okay, I'm in this 100%. If I don't make money for sports betting, I'm not going to make any money. I started small. And the reason was back then before I had any of my knowledge about, you know, the advanced math or coding that I do now, it was pretty simple. And I started this back in 2012 was the first time I ever made my first sports model. And it was for hockey. And I eventually learned to mold that model, make a couple changes here, a couple changes there into uh, soccer because hockey and soccer are very similar. What you get out of the game and what's produced kind of quantified from passing to scoring to shots on goal. I mean, I I say this soccer is hockey on grass with less scoring. It really is. It's very similar. So I agree with this whole specializing in one sport. I think that even to go a step further here, do some math, right? Look around online, see how you could see if, if you can find any kind of classic or basic model building and see if you can just build a basic model for whatever sport you like to bet. Now, I like to do hockey, soccer, because those markets are smaller. And I think it's easier to win when markets are smaller. Sports books and bookies don't pay as much attention to those sports. I don't bet the NFL. Why? It's it, it's because too many other people are betting the NFL. There's so much liquidity in that market. The books are going to put all of their best bookmakers and their most attention on the NFL. Because if they have a bad day in the NFL, they'll lose millions of dollars. If they have a bad day in hockey, they may lose, what, a couple, 10 grand? So it's just not the risk reward in terms of the books focusing on on what we like to bet. Because a lot of people listening... You like to bet the NFL. You like to bet the NBA, and that's fine. But again, if you if you want to make money, I recommend specializing, like this says, in one sport to begin with, and probably making that smart that uh, sport a smaller market. Uh, going down again. There's no real uh, rhyme or reason. We're just kind of reading some random responses here. Uh, oh, this is a good one. Handicapping is about regression to the mean. Ah. 
Squares love betting hotter and better teams. Odd makers have to account for that, creating great overlays. Sharps bet on unpredictable teams to be unpredictable. This one is riddled with bad information, so we'll just go through quickly. Handicapping is not necessarily about regression to the mean. It is if you're a normal sports better, right? Because like we always say, my dog, my sister, they're going to go 50% over the course of 10 years, right? If they're not 50%, they're going to be right around 49.9 or 50.1. It's going to be right there tightly around 50%. So for normal people, yeah, uh, you know, for all you muggles, it's like, Maybe it's about regressing to the mean, but that that can't be the case. Again, our example with a blackjack table. Do you think blackjack tables are ever worried about regressing to the mean? No, because mathematically they have the edge. Just like, I know this sounds weird again, but that's what professional sports bettors do. We have an edge every single bet we make. So we know over the long run, there is no regression to the mean. There's only profits. And you can make a lot of money if you can beat minus 110. I promise you that. Um, sharps bet on unpredictable teams to be unpredictable. Uh, yes and no. Sharps do bet on unpredictable teams, but it's not to be unpredictable. It's not for the sake of being unpredictable. It's because that's usually where the smart money's at. You know, if if it's a predictable team, there's going to be a lot of uh, people going against that line. But the smart money is going to be on the unpredictable team, just because by nature, more times than not, that's where the value is going to be. Now, we're not blindly talking here. I'm not going to throw a blanket over anything and say any 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 you know general generalizations like the underdog always has the value or the team who no one knows about always has the value because it, they don't always have the value but more times than not they will uh, so just be careful of that this next one i love this don't bet parlays <laughs> they're too ner- they're too nerve-wracking but the payoff is good and maybe we can make this one our last uh, our last comment um, but it says, don't bet parlays. They're too, ner- too ner- nerve-wracking, but the payoff is good. So first of all, I actually have no inherent problem with parlays, but they have to be made correctly. You should only make parlays two- during two different situations. One is if there's correlation, right? If there's direct correlation, if this team scores, it will directly correlate to higher, like a higher total in the game. Now, you can't often make same game parlays, but that's the idea. If there's correlation, if one thing happens, the other is likely to happen as well, you should make that bet because they're correlated. There's there's a reason why correlation matters so much in math. So if you can identify those bets, make correlated parlays. Sportsbooks are getting better at this. If you've noticed the last even two, three years, I mean, I don't think I had any problems in up until 2017 getting same game parlays down. It was common. I'd bet the Broncos minus seven and the over. Let's go Broncos and the over. Nowadays, there's not many sports books who will let you parlay the same game. Why? Because they become privy to the idea of correlation. It's very powerful. But if you can identify correlation, and even if it's a slight correlation, you're going to be profitable over the long run. So you can make parlays if there are some kind of correlated factors within those two teams. The other time that you should make a parlay or or that you can is simply if games are going on at the same time. Because parlays actually don't pay out any more. Like you don't get get an incentive for making parlays. A lot of people think, including the commenter here, that by making a parlay, you get paid out more. And that's simply not the case. What a parlay does is it takes all of your winnings from the first game and rolls it over into the second game. So if you have a two-team parlay, 
and both teams are even money, right? Let's forget minus 110 or any of the math here. Both teams are even money. So one team, you bet 50 to win 50. The other team, you bet 50 to win 50, right? Two separate games, even money, bet 50 to win 50. Well, if you make them in, in, in single bets... That's great. That's two beds for 50 bucks to win 50. But if you parlay them together, here's how the math goes. The first game, you bet 50 to win 50, right? If you win that, you collect 100, just like you would in the single. So a single bet, you walk away with 100. What a parlay does is now takes that 100 and rolls it over into the second game. So now you're essentially betting $100 on the second leg of a parlay. And the second leg of a parlay, it's going to pay even. So you're going to make back 100. You collect $200. Well, so at the end of the whole process, you walk away with 200. Do you want to know what you would have walked away with if you would have done that manually? 200 bucks to the penny. The books aren't giving you any more money by when you make a parlay. It just seems like that because you start stacking these teams up on, on top of one another and we're not used to seeing $10 paying 100 but keep this in mind. If you have a $10 parlay to pay out 100 and it's a four-team parlay, if you start 3-0 and and you have one game left, you don't have $10 of volume out there. You have probably $50 of volume or 60 or 70 right? Just because you're not betting a $70 bet on the last leg of a parlay doesn't mean you don't have that much volume out there. So it's a great way actually to adjust your risk profile. If you want to stack every game up and only bet $10 to, to always win 100, that's fine. But you've got to be aware that when it comes time for that final game and your three wins done, only one left to go. Or you know how sometimes these guys do like 10 leg parlays and they go, oh my God, I'm 9-0. I only have to have this last one hit. Well, look, if you have a 10 team parlay, $10 to win 1,000, by time that 10th game is going... You're risking five, six, seven hundred dollars in money in, in in terms of the money volume. You're not making a five hundred dollar bet per se, but really in a roundabout way, you are. So be careful with parlays. Uh, like this guy says, the payoff is good. No, the payoff is exactly what you would get if you did that yourself. And the reason why you make parlays if they're going on at the same time is because you can't do that yourself at the same time. If it, you're, you're going to miss the number, so that's the only reason we do that there. But. Good discussion today, guys. Good talk today. And you can, uh, in my my outro music, it's pretty long, so you can just start playing it right now. Um, make sure it's turned down a little bit. But yeah, guys, appreciate you joining us today. Um, and again, my goal of today was not to make light of Nicole Weston or who are the other girls' names? Let's see here. Katie, uh, I don't have it saved. Anyway. It wasn't to make fun of Katie Weston or Aaron Kate Dolan or Megan, Megan making money, right? It was to first identify that they're probably not the best. Uh, um, what's that? Good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, they're probably not the best people to get their information from, right? They're working for sports books. They're, they're not the most reliable source of info. But aside from that, you know, it's okay. And again, I know I was kind of complaining about these people, but like this one chick, Erin Kate Dolan, it looks like that she spent a lot of her career working as a sideline reporter behind the desk. And that's just going to be a natural progression. You know, if you have a background in sports, that's great. But that doesn't mean a background in sports betting. So just be very careful who you're getting your information from and what that information is. And again, the comments section today, just wanted to have some fun. Uh, we gave uh, Nicole Weston's Twitter a handle away. So if you guys want to go check it out too, you can. And uh, fun show today. I hope you guys learned a little bit. And uh, yeah, so Ryan, 
Appreciate you coming in, man. Yeah, thanks for the, uh, you know, five minutes of airtime. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <Appreciate it. laughs> uh, you guys stay classy. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.